and welcome back to another episode of Deep Talks, where I talk to different teenagers about issues in their life that their parents refuse to talk to them about. My name is Kevin Sprints, and I am located in a very special place today. I refer to this place as my second home, the Shriners. Today we have a very memorable guest joining us. Everyone, please welcome my girlfriend, Kaylee Shriner, to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me on your podcast today. I'm very happy to share part of my story with you. Well, thank you for coming on Deep Talks. Let's get right into the questions. So, people describe the term depression in numerous ways. What does depression mean to you? Personally, for me, I would say that in a way there's like a cloud in my head and that there's just no possible way for me to think positively. And it's like I'm in this dark place that I don't know how to get out of. And there's like no end. There's no light at the end of the tunnel for my personal experience. But other people might describe it as, you know, they're just really lazy and like have no motivation. So when, when did you start feeling this way? Is there something specific that caused it or did it just happen over time? So back in eighth grade when I was playing for a soccer club called Richmond United, which is basically the top top teams like in the city and you train four to five days a week and you travel constantly, I had a very verbally abusive coach and wanted to quit. And my parents made it very clear to me that I made a commitment and that I had to stick it out. But in the process, um, I went into a very dark place and resented my parents and it destroyed my relationship with them because I blamed them for not letting me leave the situation that I was in. And the coach that I had eventually left, he got fired. Um, but it was all started in eighth grade. So the dark cloud has stuck with you since that coach? I think, well, okay, for a cloud in my head, there, especially some days, like when I'm, you know, with my friends or hanging out with you, there's, it's, it goes away. And it's nice because there are some things that overcome, you know, the darkness. And it's nice, especially, especially chocolate. As you know, chocolate's very happy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and, you know, it's always been there, but sometimes it's very light. So is it a struggle for you to open up about your depression when talking to friends and family? Specific people. I think because some people look at it as, like, you know attention seeking especially when you compared there's this one chart that has always kind of stuck with me it's like suicide we're suicidal or like suicide everyone talks about like how bad it is and you know they're all present but then when someone says they're suicidal no one really cares if you talk about it and I think that there are just certain people that actually do and you just have to find those people and stick with them so you'd say you definitely rely on your friends more than your family in some cases Yes, I mean, especially more than my parents, but, like, my sister, I would consider her more, like, on the good side, especially because she's non-judgmental and we stick together on a lot of issues. What ways are you getting help to feel physically and mentally balanced? Now I'm at, I'm seeing a therapist, and I see her every two weeks, which is better than when I started seeing her eight months ago when I saw her twice a week. Um, and I think that having someone to talk to, whether it's, you know, a paid therapist or a youth leader or something like that, 
being able to talk to someone who's in your life and it's a, such a relief. It isn't, it's crazy how much it's helped me just to have her talk to talk to and give me advice, especially with coping mechanisms. I think it's benefited me, but also exercise. I think it's very cliche, but soccer is like my outlet. I think it's kind of why I'm mean on the soccer field because I'm, I take all my energy and anger out on the soccer field. So that's definitely helped me. There are times where social media influences your mental state. Oh yeah. Especially not even if it's just like directed at me, but like TikTok, like reading other people's things and like what other people have to say about other people. It's so frustrating. And I hate Snapchat. I hate the app. I rarely go on it now just because it like, it's so toxic. I don't like it, but that's just my opinion. So what advice would you give kids growing up in middle and high school? So they can try to avoid negative thoughts. I just, I would tell them to don't compare themselves to other people. Because every person, every single person on this planet is completely different. There are 7 billion people on this planet and not one person is alike. Whether, And I think that not comparing yourself, to, especially like being a girl and like looking at other girls on social media and seeing some of them and how perfect they look and how perfect their bodies are. And it's so hard to look at that and then look at yourself. But I think just constantly telling yourself that like you are beautiful and you are the best that you can be, I think has definitely helped me and not comparing yourself. It's also like how some people post a lot about, you know, personal thoughts. And I think not personal, but especially relationships. People will post a lot about specific relationships and it looks all perfect on the outside, but it's really not. And I think that people should just, especially younger teenagers, should avoid the comparison part. So if the younger teenagers are looking for help, but are too afraid to speak to anyone about it, what would you tell them to do that's positive? I would tell them to, like, look at for support online, but, like, support groups online. I know there are a bunch of, specifically, there's just one website my therapist told me about. I'll get you to link it in the description. But it really allows you to communicate with a bunch of other people online that are going through the same thing, but don't really have the resources or, you know, the money to deal with therapy, unfortunately, because it's so expensive. Would you tell them to try to stay off social media? If you mention them to go online, do you want them to like, stay off social media? I think it's just based on, well, support groups is like a website, which isn't necessarily so. social media. But I would definitely say sticking with like who you follow. I think that, especially because there's this one TikToker, her name is Sienna May, and she is probably one of the most honest girls out there because she shows you, you know, like what something looks like on Instagram and how it can look like in reality, where she can make herself look like the skinniest person ever. But in reality, she, you know, shows like the rolls like on her stomach and like how her body like has cellulite and certain other things that every girl will have, but is doesn't think that they should have it because 
all the influencers and models have made it look like that's a bad thing. I think it's who you follow is what matters. So do you believe in famous people being influences in your life? Do you think someone really famous can help a random kid suffering from depression? I think they could. I think it just all depends on how they use their platform. If it's in a positive or negative way. So why do you think so many kids suffer from depression? Like, is there a driving force? I think it's just this, you know, feeling like people are always told that, like, it's normal to, or not it's normal, but, like, kids are put under so much stress. And if you don't know how to communicate your stress or communicate how overwhelmed you are and how frustrated you are without, you know, it's like a safe environment to do that in. I think that that could be a driving force because my parents have always been very um, spiritual. And I'm not saying that I'm not, but I also think that you should have a peace of mind and like you should be able to talk to your parents about certain issues without them being judgmental. And I think that as much as parents don't want to admit that, you know, talking to your kids about certain things that you didn't do or you didn't have to do. I think that has a huge impact on teenagers now. So there are some kids in the world where if you ask them what's wrong, they will answer with, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Why are so many lost people not sure what's wrong? I think it's just because some kids have no idea why they're feeling like this. Like, they see all these other people in school going to and from school with a smile on their face, going home to their happy families. And they don't, not necessarily don't have that, but they don't have the mindset to think like that. So do you think it's just their self-confidence? Like they don't think they're good enough, what they were, what they were put in? Mm, Part of it? Maybe, but I also think it, you know, is an end. It's not always self-confidence. I mean, I definitely agree. With, like, the fact that more confident you are, it sometimes is better. But in a way, I mean, sometimes I try to fight it. And there, I just, you can't sometimes. So for you personally, you mentioned in middle school how your driving force was mainly your coach, your soccer coach. Yeah, and, like, the relationship. Basically, my parents' relationship. And you didn't start to get help until earlier this year. So why do you think it took you so long to get help? Um, I think because it was more, especially when I was in eighth grade, freshman year, I was going through a lot of transitions, you know, going from middle school to high school and transitioning to this life where I actually enjoyed a sport and actually had friends because Marchman United, I played up, and I literally had no friends on the team. I had one friend. Her name's Lily. She's my only friend I've had, like, on soccer, on Marchman United, and I've stayed friends with. But I think it started it, – I ended up asking for help because I realized that the part where I was – the situation I was in, I was – I basically started to take out all my anger from 
and I blamed myself for everyone else. And I took that anger and I put it to my put it to my own skin. So after you got your help from friends, family, your therapist, what has your life been like ever since? Has it been happier? Has it been harder? I think it's been harder, but in a good way. Because I'm actually dealing with, you know, the pain in the correct way. I remember glancing over some websites during probably the peak of COVID. A lot of people are getting depressed or lost because of COVID. You're stranded in your home. You feel alone. It's also that, like, there was no, you know, timeline of this. Because in my head, I still remember sitting in my house in April thinking that this thing was going to last for two years and I was going to be stuck at home alone. You know, wondering when I, was I going to see my friends again? When was I going to see you again? And I think the no timeline thing just could have led to people think, especially like, oh my God, this could actually last for so long. And there was just no hope. The number of depressed kids has really gone up in the span of a year. So has online school and cancellations of sports affected you? Oh, I think that it's, it last year destroyed me. I was crushed because I hated the fact that my junior season was ending and we were going to be really good, too. Like, it was my last year to play with one of my friends, Lily, and I was crushed. And online school back then was was just pointless because we just had to submit, like, one week of thing, like, one unit kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about. It was strange. But then now, I think it's... At the beginning, I hated it because I wanted to be at school. But now I've just learned that it's kind of like college because I think it's much better now because I can run during school. I go grocery shopping during school. I hang out with you during school. I get to do all these things and figure out how to manage my time. So in a way, it's kind of made me more mature because I have to be more self-aware of my time and figure out how to manage my time, which is what I'm going to have to do in college anyway. So I think that's benefited me in a way, but I also think that it's awful sitting at home in my desk staring at a screen of initials because no one turns their camera on. One last question for you. What have you done to remind yourself that everything will be all right? Um, I, over winter break, I got a tattoo on the, on the inside of my pinky. No one can really see it except for me when I look down. I mean, it would be impossible. You can't notice it. Um, it's a semicolon because... It's a metaphor um, when an author could have ended a sentence but chose not to, um, like to continue the sentencing, to continue the story. And it's a metaphor to my life and how I, like, you know, I could have chosen to end it, but I chose to continue my story and continue to write it. And I const- and I look at it all the day, literally all the time. I see it every single day and it reminds me that I'm still writing my story every single day. Well, we are all happy that you are still here. Thank you for coming on Deep Talks. Thank you for having me. I hope that someone listening to this could at least benefit from my story too.